Climate Watch is CGTN Radio's new podcast focusing on the impact of climate change. We have conversations with people on the front line about this critical issue. Listen to Climate Watch on all major podcast platforms and join us in taking action to save the planet we call home. Hello and welcome to The Top Story, a podcast with the headlines of the day from our correspondents around the world. I'm Tian Yu. Coming up in this edition, Israel has declared a state of war as the conflict with Hamas escalates. Conservatives in the German states of Hesse and Bavaria are likely to retain power. And more than 4,600 suspected cholera cases have been reported in Zimbabwe. We begin in Asia. Israel's cabinet has declared a state of war after a massive surprise attack launched by Hamas. The conflict has killed over 1,100 people on both sides. Meantime, media reports say 260 bodies of young people attending the Nova Festival, an outdoor music event near the Gaza-Israel fence, have been recovered. The UN Agency for Palestinian Refugees says 74,000 displaced Gaza residents are staying in shelters, with one school taking a direct hit. Hamas and a smaller Palestinian militant group, Islamic Jihad, say they have taken more than 130 people from Israel captive and brought them into Gaza. The group say they will trade the people for the release of thousands of Palestinians imprisoned by Israel. Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas has called on the international community to immediately intervene. He has also held Israel responsible for cutting off essential supplies to Palestinian people in Gaza. Major airlines from various countries have cancelled dozens of flights to Tel Aviv this weekend due to the attacks. Jean Gambrel reports from Jerusalem. Israel is continuing to launch uh, jet attacks on Gaza after this Hamas incursion that's killed so many. Uh, Just in the last couple of minutes, I've been able to hear jets from where I am in Jerusalem flying overhead. There have been hundreds of strikes on Gaza by Israel. Israel is also still trying to fight the remaining Hamas militants that are still in southern Israel right now. There's still fight. There are still fighting going on, just going to show how serious this incursion has been. Now, for the emotions for Israelis at this point, they are still in shock. I had one person today describe it as Israel's Pearl Harbor, referring to when the Japanese had their surprise attack on America that drew Washington into World War II. Um, others compared it to the 1973 Mideast War, where surrounding Arab nations launched a surprise attack against Israel during the Jewish High Holy Day of Yom Kippur. Now, as of right now, Israelis are lining up. Some are giving uh, their DNA to the police so they can test the dead to see if they are Unfortunately, these people's loved ones. Israel has moved a lot of armored personnel carriers, tanks to the Gaza border. There's no sign yet that they plan a ground operation into Gaza, but a lot of analysts are saying that may be where this conflict is heading. I think the number one priority moving forward for Prime Minister Netanyahu, as well as the Israeli military, is trying to do something about the hostages that Hamas, as well as the other militant group, Islamic Jihad, hold. In the last few hours, we've had Hamas acknowledge that they hold about 100 Israeli civilians as hostages. Islamic Jihad, which is a separate group, says they have some 30 hostages. That really complicates whatever action Israel takes going forward, because Israel now have to weigh every airstrike against the chance that perhaps one of those hostages is in the area that they're attacking. 
They also have to consider that if they go in in a ground operation into Gaza, which could be incredibly bloody and dangerous, both for their troops, for the Hamas and Islamic Jihad militants, as well as the civilian, the Palestinian civilians that are stuck inside of Gaza. You have to remember Gaza is surrounded by an Israeli border wall, as, uh, as well as the uh, blocked off from the Egyptian border, and their back is against the Mediterranean Sea, leaving civilians there nowhere to go. And again, it also makes it more complicated for any effort to try to rescue these Israeli hostages. That was John Gambro in Jerusalem. As Palestinian militants carry out attacks on targets in settlements outside Gaza, Israeli warplanes have launched a series of airstrikes on the coastal enclave. Noor Harazin reports from Gaza. A night of heavy Israeli shelling and airstrikes turn Gaza into a ghost city. As the air fills with dust and smoke, roads are full of ash, broken glass, bricks and other debris. People are trapped in their homes in fear. Only those who have fled have the courage to return. Rashad al-Bawab, 45 years old, had to leave his home with his family, running from the heavy airstrikes on the Al-Watan residential building in central Gaza City. Al-Bawab returned to check and found his home and barber shop partly damaged. The Israeli army called us and told us that only precise bombing would be carried out in the area. They asked us to stay in our homes, but we fled. If we stayed, we'd be dead. Since the beginning of the operation, Palestinians have taken precautions by stockpiling bread and food. Some families living close to the border have left their homes to take shelter in schools or relatives' homes. The Israeli air raids have targeted buildings in central Gaza City. Al-Aklouk Tower is an 11-story building on Al-Nasr Street in central Gaza. It's been brought to the ground by Israeli airstrikes. Abu Muhammad Nasser, who lived in the building, says it contained 80 residential apartments. All the families are now homeless. Our area is a safe residential area with many children, and there's no military site or governmental site. Before the bombing, we ran from our homes at 6 in the morning, and the women and children became hysterical after they woke up terrified. While some Gazan families try to gather what's left of their destroyed homes, others await an uncertain future as they expect a huge Israeli invasion into Gaza in the upcoming days. That was Noor Harazin in Gaza. In response to the escalating tensions in the Middle East, the United Nations Security Council has convened for an emergency session. While the ambassadors of Israel and Palestine were excluded from the closed-door meeting, they spoke ahead of the session. John Tarrant has more from New York. Now, Riyad Mansour is the ambassador for the Palestinian Authority based in the West Bank. He doesn't represent Hamas, which is what we're talking about on the ground, but he is the Palestinian ambassador here. He talked about time to end the bloodshed. He said, where is the international protection for the Palestinian people that they deserve, referring to 56 years under what he called occupation by Israel. He said, we are not subhuman. I said, I'll repeat that. We are not subhuman, he said. And we must, all of us in the world, address the 
root causes of the problem in the region. So that was Riyad Mansour. And then Gilad Erdan actually spoke an hour before that outside the Security Council. He's the Israeli ambassador here, and he talked about what happened over the weekend as being Israel's 9-11. And he also said that Israel would exact a heavy price from Hamas because of what happened and what is still going on. Now, there was at the end of this meeting no resolution. I, mean, I don't think there would be anyway, actually, but there was no statement. There was no presidential statement. Very often there is a statement from the Security Council in which they all agree at least on something. Well, they are so far apart on this issue that they couldn't really agree on anything. And one contact I have told me that they, they didn't even bother to come up with a statement because everybody in the room at this point was so far apart. So it was really a sort of fact-finding mission, really, a seeing how the ground lies among all the members of the 15 members of the Security Council. It was that kind of meeting rather than anything decisive. Chinese ambassador Zheng Jun, he spoke before the meeting, and he expressed his serious interest in getting a statement from the Security Council. He said he thought that there should be a statement from the Security Council, that it was important to get on the record as early as possible. But in the end, as I said, there wasn't. He also said that China is very concerned about attacks on civilians. That was John Terrett in New York. Still in Asia, a series of earthquakes that hit western Afghanistan on Saturday have killed over 2,400 people. A spokesman for the Ministry of Disasters recently revised down the number of injured from over 9,000 to more than 2,000. Thousands of homes collapsed in the quicks. The Taliban government says rescue and relief efforts are underway. Meanwhile, the Red Cross Society of China has decided to provide the Afghan Red Crescent with 200,000 U.S. dollars in cash in emergency humanitarian assistance. Samari Ali Abbasin has more from Kabul. The situation on the ground is far worse than it's been reported so far. Search and rescue operation continues since yesterday with limited resources that the Taliban-led government has. The Afghan Red Crescent Society uh, personnel from the Ministries of Dis Disaster Management, Interior Affairs and Defense have been deployed to the areas. I also spoke with Herat Central Hospital staff and they told that uh, the health facilities are out of medicines and healthcare resources and need immediate assistance from the international organizations. The reason? For such a huge loss is poorly made suburban buildings and shelters that lack adequate standards to stand even a magnitude of five to six. About six villages reportedly have been totally destroyed and hundreds of civilians still are under, uh, buried under the debris. The local uh, authorities and the area affected uh, provinces of fear that they told me rise as the rescue operation still continue and unknown number of people are still uh, buried under the debris, uh, especially in two uh, areas of Zindajan and uh, Badghis province and also Farah is unclear. Uh, thousands of residents in Herat, Badghis and Farah provinces have been evacuated the areas and have been relocated in central Herat or other neighboring provinces. Also, rescue uh, supporters from Kabul and other provinces have reached the area. There are still uh, struggles by the locals and other Afghan people who have uh, facilities or resources to help the people. And that's a call from the affected people and the authorities in the area to bring the immediate relief aid to the areas while this strategy will still continue for a couple of days and the search and rescue operation is on the way. That was Samari Ali Abbasin on the deadly earthquakes in Afghanistan. Now in Europe, 
In Germany, polls have closed in the key states of Hesse and Bavaria. Initial projections show the three parties that make up the country's coalition government suffering losses, while the main conservative opposition won in both states. Natalie Carney reports from Munich. Polls have now closed after a very active day across the uh, southern alpine state of Bavaria here in Germany with what uh, election monitors say was a very good turnout. And as was expected, uh, according to initial projections, it is the CSU, the Christian Social Union, which has come out with the most amount of votes currently, uh, roughly around 36 percent. That is uh, the polling numbers that they went into these elections with. Now, the CSU has run this state for many, many years, decades in fact, and have long held a majority government. Therefore, these election results are not exactly what they were hoping for, and they will be forced to enter into a coalition with another party. Coming in second are the Greens, with roughly around 16%, followed interestingly by the AFD, the Alternative for Deutschland. Now, this is a far-right party here in Germany, and going into these elections, they were polling around 5 5% above what they brought in back in 2018. So these election results will provide them with a few extra seats in the 19th Bavarian state parliament. And then we have the Free Voters, which is a loose union of independents uh, that have formed the party called the Free Voters of Bavaria. They have been with the CSU for the past five years. Could they be the next coalition partner? They have brought in, as we're polling going into these elections, roughly around 14%. Here are some of the issues that voters had on their minds as they went to the polls. My issue are um, the migration, of course, the energy in Germany, is a, a very, very um, big um, icon. I think the biggest problem of our time is climate change. Yes, and um, also, and all other things are uh, connected to this. Uh, social aspects are the most important things, but not especially one aspect or something like that. Why these state elections are so important here in Germany? Well, that's because the CSU, the Christian Social Union right of center party, has long dominated politics here. For many, many decades, they held an absolute majority. And uh, with a state population of about 13 million, that makes up roughly uh, about 10 to 15 percent of the federal electorate. So what happens here clearly has an impact on politics in Berlin. That was Natalie Carney updating on the German elections. Finally, in Africa, 100 people are suspected to have died of cholera in Zimbabwe following the latest outbreak of the disease. More than 4,600 suspected infections have been recorded in the country since the outbreak was first recorded. The Zimbabwean government has restricted gatherings like funerals in one of the worst infected provinces to curb the spread of the infections. Farai Makutuya has more. There has been no running water in their homes for four days now, so residents of Glenview, a Harare suburb, have to queue up at a community borehole. This suburb has been a hotspot in previous cholera outbreaks. People here are fearful the current contagion, which has seen 40 new cases confirmed in Harare in the past week, could hit their area hard. The best way to protect ourselves is to use clean water. But we don't have enough clean water to meet all our needs. I have to walk a long distance, but I can only carry a few buckets. The city council needs to increase water supply, otherwise we will lose many lives. Because there is no water in our homes, we have to gather here. 
Such gatherings are how the disease can spread even further. The water they fetch here could also pose a risk. As a result of also the best sewer pipes, most of the groundwater is now contaminated and most of the bores uh, in urban settings are also contaminated. So what it means is that uh, as we can continue to treat people, but as long as they go back to the same environment uh, that made them sick or that made them sick, ill in the first place, unfortunately it becomes a vicious circle. Zimbabwe has experienced frequent cholera outbreaks since 2008 due to poor sanitation and an increase in unplanned high-density settlements. 100 suspected deaths and nearly 5,000 infections have been reported during the current outbreak. Mashingo province in the southeast of the country, where the highest number of deaths and infections have occurred, has put restrictions on social gatherings. The Ministry of Health says the restrictions are limited to one specific province. However, it's urging residents elsewhere to remain on high alert. It has set up treatment camps in the affected provinces and increased monitoring and surveillance to curb the spread. That was Farah Makutuya on the cholera outbreak in Zimbabwe. Recapping today's headlines. Israel has declared a state of war as the conflict with Hamas escalates. Conservatives in the German states of Hesse and Bavaria are likely to retain power. And more than 4,600 suspected cholera cases have been reported in Zimbabwe. That's it for this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Tian Yu. Thank you for listening.